Hello, everybody. Welcome to a very, very special edition of Wrestling with the Future. I'm your host, Psychic Media Angelo, joined by the happy haberdasher, Dan the Man Sebastiano. How you doing, Dan? Good, Angelo. Looking forward to uh, tonight. Huge fan. Oh, brother, we got a great show tonight. Great, great show tonight. Very special guest. And I'm joined by a returning guest, our friend Tombstone Jesus from Devotion Championship Wrestling in Salt Lake City. How you doing, Tombstone? Hey, always a pleasure, man. Really happy to be here. Got a special night for you, brother. It is. You brought company with you. You got your promoter, Manny Lemons. The big man, the guy with the big bucks. Manny, how you doing, brother? <laughs> Good, boss. How you doing? Big bucks? I don't know I'm big bucks. But I'm fine, <laughs> brother. I'm fine. I'm even finer because I got a, an amazing, amazing guest tonight going to join me. Superstar Bill Dundee is a true professional wrestling legend and a Memphis wrestling icon. Bill has wrestled all over the world for such promotions as WCW, NWA, World Class, USWA. CWA, AWA, and many others. Bill's a four, former two-time, two-time, say that twice, two-time, AWA Tag Team Champion, along with Jerry the King Lawler and former CWA Heavyweight Champion. Bill has also feuded with Jerry Lawler and Stone Cold Steve Austin, just to name a couple. Ladies and gentlemen, I am honored, I'm thrilled, and pleased to introduce you to the Memphis Flash, the legendary superstar, Bill Dundee. Bill, how are you, brother? Hi, guys. How are you all doing? It's doing good. Speak to the stardom here in Memphis. Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, we, we didn't think this was going to happen tonight. My, you know, my phone just wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I hear you. Well, sometimes it's the operator, not the phone. Yeah, but it's I with know. me anyway. I know. Well, we got it all together now. Okay. Got it all together. So, Bill, let's talk a little bit about uh, your your early beginnings. I know uh, a little bit about you, bro. Um, okay. You actually started out, uh, interestingly enough, as a circus performer. Well, we look at the animal perform. We looked after the elephants and did the elephant act. Now that that seems like a rather interesting uh, lifestyle to live. Uh, your your entire family was in the uh, uh, that that kind of business, the circus business. No, just me. Oh, really? See, this wow. is this How weekend. Come about. We went to Australia in nineteen sixty, and the things were you know didn't know anybody. We migrated from Australia to to America. Just well, not quite true. Went from Scotland to Australia, grew up in Australia, joined the circus in Australia, then got interested in wrestling on the Carnival Park, wrestled right. a few matches there, and then somebody said, "You ought to try and be a pro." So Jim Barnett brought Georgia Championship Wrestling in 1960 to Australia, and he did his TV show and. Sunday morning, and they're always looking for people you know, to put the boys over on TV. So we went down and talked to George Barnes and I. We got hired, and we were there for four or five years. And a gentleman by the name of Bobby Shane showed up. He was the booker. 
Oh, he yeah. Said, you guys Jerry don't Bob go to Steve. America. Absolutely. So I said, we don't know nobody in America. He said, well, I know Jerry Jarrett. I can call him. And he did. And the rest is history. Here we are. George and me came here. 1975. George didn't particularly like it. He got a little homesick. He went home, and I've been here ever since. And the rest is history, as they say. It certainly is history, and, and, and the history you have made indeed. You know, a lot of people don't know this. I didn't know this when I, when I first saw you. I thought to myself, who is this, this guy, this Elvis lookalike? You know, <laughs> wrestling. I'd never seen a guy in, in a, you know, a jumpsuit before. You know, now so Wayne, then Wayne Ferris covered it. Where did where the honky tonk man came after me? <laughs> yeah, I know, right? So uh, where did where did the whole idea of uh, the uh, the Elvis style jumpsuit emanate from? Are you an Elvis fan? Well, not really. People, I always always had dyed black hair and sideboards. People, when I was way back, they said you look like Elvis. Even when I just went to school, I just was not doing nothing except worked on a farm. I was going to town on a Saturday night, and they said, you know, you look like Elvis. I didn't know Elvis looks like me. <laughs> so that's how it kind of started. And then I got interested in the wrestling. Jim Barnett brought championship wrestling to Australia. And then Bobby Shane came and was the booker. And he said, right. you need to go to America. I said, well, I don't know nobody in America. He said, well, I know Jerry yeah. Jarrett. So he called Jerry Jarrett, hooked up me and George Barnes, and we showed up. Yeah. George got homesick, went home. I stayed, and the rest yeah. is history. Bill, I got a surprise for you. I got All a right. very special surprise for you. There's a gentleman here joining me on the phone wants to say hi to you. Okay. okay. Go ahead, Hello, Mr. Guest. Ahead, I can't me. hear him. I'm, I'm getting a backseat. Go ahead, brother. Hey, Bill, can you hear me? Yeah, just a little bit. Hey, it, it's been it's been over thirty years um, in the making, but I, I I'm, I'm a I'm a I'm a one of your guys from the past. Um, you actually, you actually brought me in, uh, when I was a, a teenager out of New Jersey and, um, it's taken me 30 years to track you down to say, thank you. You gave me my name, Jack victory. And, uh, I just, I just wanted to say thank you for starting my career. Oh, hell, Jack victory. How the hell are you doing, son? I'm doing great, sir. Um, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a long time. It's been over 30 years, but, um. Uh, um, you, uh, you, um, you gave me my name and, uh, basically, uh, uh took a shot and, um, and, uh, I just want to be, uh, thankful and appreciated of you. Well, brother, good to hear from you. And I'm glad I could help you out a way, but 30 years ago. So uh, what are you doing now? Um, I, I'm, I'm, re well, I'm re not doing wrestling anymore, retired from wrestling, and I live in Daytona, Florida, and I'm um, just sucking up the sun. Well, that must be nice. Yeah, yeah. Are you still, uh, are you still in Tennessee? Yeah, still in Memphis. Oh, you're still in Memphis, yeah. Bill, I have to tell you something. Uh, Jack. All right. 
Jack is a dear friend of mine. I've known Jack Victory for many, many years. And when I told Jack that you were coming on the show, he said, I have to go. I have to come on at least for a few minutes just to say thank you to Bill. I said, that would be great, Jack. Why don't you do a run in with him? We'll surprise him. We're going to kayfabe the whole thing. I hear you. And here he is. And I'm glad to hear from him because, yeah, it is 30 years since I've talked to him. He was just a kid when I met him. Well, we were all kids back back then. Well, the uh, the amazing thing is that you're the guy who gave Jack his name. Yeah. How did that come about? Tell me that story. Don't really know. There was no story to well, many victories have you had? And he said, none, but that's a good name. So, okay, Jack, you're Jack Victory. That's how simple it was. That's <laughs> yeah, that's how, it, that's how it went down. <laughs> yeah, about like that. That's pretty crazy, Jack. Well, you got to, you got to, if you, uh, even in today's uh, wrestling, I mean, um, Bill was a mastermind of, of, of booking of gimmicks, um, I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, you can even see it in today's wrestling, even though it's it's not that it's it's kind of painful to watch. Um, yeah. But but they'll always uh, you'll always see that Memphis uh, gimmicks and all that stuff, and that was uh, you know, Bill had ninety nine percent of uh, of of that uh, doing, you know. Oh God, yeah, sure, yeah, absolutely. So now. Jack, your your relationship with Bill goes back a long time. How how long did you actually work with or for Bill in the in the Memphis territory, or or was it in the Memphis territory? No, no, no. He was the he was Bill Watts's booker in oh, Mid South okay. Louisiana. Yeah, he was. And um, out of a whim, they uh, they brought me in, and um, I did a couple shows, and then. Uh, I flew home, and then about three weeks later, I, I think Bill called me and said they want uh, they want you to start full time, and uh, that was that was it. You know, it yeah. was uh, it was amazing. It was uh, it was a long shot, and um, I, I still can't. You know, I, I I sit back and I I think about that uh, all the time, and uh, if they never gave me a chance, uh, where would I be now? But um, I know, dude, right. It was a great ride. It was a great ride. Well, see, that's just, everybody has technically the same type story in the wrestling business. It made it. Somebody has to like you and say, we're going to give this guy a push and do it. And that's how it all stems from there. If nobody likes you, you ain't going nowhere. <laughs> well, well you know what, Bill? Let me ask you a question. That's a real good segue. What was it about Jack Victory that was likable, that was, uh, that was uh, redeemable about him? Did you know when you met him, because you've been around for a while at that point, did you know that he had that itch factor? Well, yeah, but like I just said, the best thing is, Jack, I need you to do this. Okay. <laughs> no bitching, no asking why. Just do it. And that's yeah. the attitude I had when I started in the business, and that's the attitude I was looking for and he had it. He'd say, Jack, you go and drive five hundred miles next week tomorrow tomorrow put a guy over and drive back. He wouldn't have said nothing except, okay. 
Exactly. And that's what it was all, all about. Jack, is that what's missing today? Uh, a little, a little yeah. bit of respect for the, uh, the the elderly boys and all that stuff. Yeah, I, I, I see it. You know, there's, uh, you know, everybody wants to be, uh, uh, you know, on top all the time, and they don't want to do favors, and, uh, yeah. you know, so. Yeah. So, Bill, were you surprised, my friend? With, with that name, yeah. Oh, Jack, I had seen him and talked to him. 30 years, it's very nice. Well, I, I, yeah, I, I don't want to take up your time on your interview, sir, but uh, I just, uh, once again, I want to thank you, Bill, um, and uh, you guys have a great interview. Thank you, Jack. Well, brother, we'll do that. Thank you so much. And if anybody books in a match and you need somebody to come up and put you over, I'll be glad to do it. <laughs> All right, thank you, sir. All right, Bill, you take care. All right, mate, take care, Jack. All right, mate. Jack, thanks so much, brother. I'll talk to you in a day or so. How about that? Superstar. That Bill was Clinton. very pleasant. Surprise. That was the last name I would have thought of. That was very good. I appreciate you guys. You're quite welcome. I, I was talking to, I talked to Jack a lot, by the way. Uh, he's been one of my friends for probably 35 years now. <laughs> I'm no, I, I knew him when he was an 18-year-old kid when he started out. And... Uh, you know, and I knew the story of you giving him his name. You know, I came yeah. to him, you know, because he didn't know that I knew, but, you know. I hear you. So, uh, yeah, it's pretty remarkable that here's a guy, basically, he's in the business because of you. Yeah. How well, does, I don't how mean does to that be bragging. You? Does, it, does it ever hit you? Like, you know, that hit you in the gut, like, this guy has a living because of me. Well, I kind of, but that, that was what I got paid to do was find talent. So, so that was your job. It wasn't like we was doing them all a favor. We, we kind of was, but if they didn't have talent, they would have been gone. So they have to have something in return, you know what I mean? So oh, sure. if they had a talent, it was up to me to bring it up and then produce it and give it to the people. You know, Bill, Jack, you know, tell uh, then. Jack mentioned that you were a Bill Watts booker. You right. Know, we, on the show recently, we just we had a rather interesting debate: uh, writers versus bookers. Right. So I don't know what a, I don't. I don't know what a writer is. Exactly. That's my point. That's exactly my point, and that's what I want to talk about. When the hell did the art of booking wrestling matches disappear? Well, I mean, technically, you write the show, you lay your TV out, you, you do all the things. You put Jerry Lawler versus Bill Dundee, the fabulous ones versus the sheep herder to me. You do do all that, but you go and make it all make sense. Or you did back then. I don't know what to do today. Well, that's I don't know the how Ben Stacey's TV. What the hell they're doing today? Right. <laughs> See, this this is the thing. The difference. It was real to me. And I was wanting it to be real to the people, so I made the boys do real things or don't do don't do them. Well, I'll tell you what. I, if it's any compliment coming from me, and I and I hope it is, your um, your run with Jerry Lawler seemed like it had a real edge of heat to it. 
And that made it believable. It made it real. It made it compelling. And every week that Memphis Mid-South Coliseum was sold the hell out. Damn near. Yeah. Yeah, Jerry Jarrett didn't know how lucky he was to have Lawler and Dundee for 30 years. You know, I, I hear Jerry Jarrett talking. He seems like a kindly old man. What kind of guy is he to work with or for? Oh, back when he was younger, I did, yeah, we all, we all mellow as we get older. But he could be a prick back in the good old days. He was the <laughs> boss, and he didn't mind telling you. I hear you. And then he worked with Nick Nick Gullis and George Gullis. So, I mean, they were all the names. When I came here, it was oh, running yeah. Memphis. Now, I got to tell you, you mentioned a name there that I'm very familiar with. Yeah, George Gullis uh, and Nick Gullis. Of course, George was the son of yeah. uh, the famous or infamous promoter, Nick Gullis. Now, I got to tell you something. You started out. At the same time that my ex-wife started out, she actually worked with you back in the day. Her name was huh. her name was Kim Novak. She wrestled a tag team women's wrestling with Ann Jeanette back in the day. And yeah, I remember her too. Yeah, and she was dating David Novak from the Bounty Hunters. Oh, the Bounty Hunter Novak. Okay, okay I'm with you now. Okay. So there was you know, Jerry and to, David Novak, the bounty hunters, sure. managed by Jimmy Kent. Oh, yeah, Cashbox Kent, absolutely. Jimmy Cashbox Kent. Yeah. And, uh, way back in the day, see, because I lived in Tennessee for 15 years. <laughs> uh, and I lived in uh, in Knoxville, and I lived in, uh, in Crossville for a long time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, and you know where that's at. Um, mm-hmm. Halfway between, um, well, Crossville's halfway between Knoxville and Nashville. And Nashville, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the Nashville Fairgrounds is another place we'll talk about during the conversation. But some of the greatest wrestling in the world took place in the Memphis Territory. What was it? What the hell was in the water down there, man? Well, Nick, Nick was hard to do business with. Yeah. And a lot of the guys that wasn't used to the set didn't like him, so they wouldn't come. Like the Nick Bockwinkles, the Hulk Hogan's, they were all Ganya boys, and they never came down here. So we had to kind of make our own starts, which I'm glad, because me and J- Jerry Lawler and the fabulous ones and a few other guys wouldn't have been stopped if they had brought in Hulk Hogan and Nick Bockwinkle and all them names back then. So we made our own stars. Absolutely. That's something we're going to talk about at length later on. But we got a couple of guys here that want to ask you questions. Okay. I'm going to hog the whole conversation. Uh, Bill, I want to introduce you to my, uh, of course, you already met him, but I'll introduce him for the the sake of the audience. My co-host, Dan, the man, Sebastiano. Dan, it's all yours, baby. Hey, Bill. Huge Dan, the man, how are you? I'm good. Uh, it's an honor to talk to you. I appreciate the time. Uh, I was hoping to uh, jump forward a little bit. Um, I'm only in my late 30s, so my first experience with you was renting the old territory tapes. At the time, you you transitioned into a manager. You were with the uh, the Barbarian for a while, and then the uh, the Mod Squad, those those bikers. Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember, 
you, you had mentioned already, we talked about wrestling, we talked about booking. How does one transition from wrestler to manager? Like, put us in that mindset. With no mindset, that's what they needed at WCW and wanted me to do it, so I did it. You really have that's no say, right. well, I want to be a manager, with, uh, I want to be, you just do whatever they ask you. You were with Steven Regal for a while, too. That's right. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, Lord Steven Regal, yeah. That's right. That was... Uh, so uh, it wasn't it wasn't a, a, a rest period or a transition. It was just they needed a mouthpiece and, and a manager position, right. and they told you to go do it? Yeah. And then everybody can't be the, the main event, So, but the manager, if you get heat on you, everybody everybody wants you, wants you to be, be at ring with them. You know what I mean? Uh, that's if you fair. put all that's the heat fair. on the manager, if you go to the ring with the barbarian, he'll get a lot of your heat too. So that's <laughs> the reason you have managed in the wrestling business. Right. Spe- speaking of the uh, the manager position, something that Angelo brought up about what was in the water down there. I used to love watching the old Memphis tapes because any tape I had, any event, doesn't matter, at least two, three times in the background, you'd see security or the police grabbing somebody to jump the barricade. Oh, uh, yeah. What, what was <laughs> yeah. so, at, at the time, what was so unique about that crowd that no matter how hot things got anywhere, the Memphis crowd, and I know Angelo, I've joked before with Angelo, is, is I even saw women, it, it, heaven forbid you put your put your hands on uh, on Terry Taylor or, or you put your hands yeah. on, on one of the Rock and Roll Express. The, those women jumped right. the barricade, too. What, um, oh, yeah. what, what was like, I mean, what was so unique about that crowd? I just, it was just, it was all, we came, I came here in January 1970, what was it, 74, 75 or whatever. And it was like that from day one. I, I you know, it was, and if you got heat on your brother, it was a bitch that would follow you down the road in the car, try to run you off the road and all kinds of things. Memphis was a, a rough town. <laughs> Bill, can I ask you a question, Bill? Yes, sir. There was one older woman. She she went to every show. She was always every show. Inside. Yes, sir. She was an old lady that that had an old house coat on, and she yeah. kept cane with her. You you know who every I'm Monday. talking about? Yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. And she'd whack you with that cane. I, and I if said she could that get to close you. enough. Bill, I, honest to God, Bill, this is the true story. I I told Dan. On the last show that we did, that that woman would crack you with that cane because she thought, if God forbid, if you hurt like, you know, Ricky or Robert or Terry Taylor or any of the pretty boys, she'd cut <laughs> yeah. the shit out of you with that cane. Yes, she would. Right. Yeah. And that, that was no plan. She just bought a ticket and showed up every Monday. Yeah, every week. Yep, sure did. Now, Bill, let me ask you a question. You just mentioned something important because we were talking about this. I was trying to smarten up these young kids here, you know, (laughs) because I'm 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 in the old fart of the crew. I'm 61. So I'm the old guy here. I Um, hear you. What was it about Monday nights? You know, usually you see wrestling on a Friday or a Saturday. Why did you guys run on Mondays? Because we run the other six nights were were taken, 
And with the TV was done on Saturday morning, and sometimes we would run Jackson, Tennessee on a Sunday, and we would just stay there and come into Memphis on a Monday. So it was all to do with demographics and television. Gotcha. Okay. I'm Dan, I'm sorry to interrupt your question. Go ahead. No, no worries. See, here's the other thing. Jerry Jarrett run Memphis on a Monday night, and Nick Gullis run Birmingham, Alabama on a Monday night. So our territory had two Monday night towns. Oh, wow. Okay. I forgot about that. I forgot yeah. that, that, that Nick Goulis ran, you know, out of Tennessee when, yeah. uh, when Jerry ran. Well, that, Jerry was actually Nick's booker. And then when we came here, and go, that's when the, uh, I, I guess you would say the split came. Jerry just started booking his own end of Tennessee, and Nick booked the other end, and Jerry won, and the rest is history. I say Memphis became Memphis Wrestling. Mm-hmm. Well, um, that's crazy. Anything else, Dan? What you got? Uh, well, I mean, like I said, talking with uh, with Memphis in your, your later time, um, I, I was actually thoroughly impressed. I was telling these guys before we got you on the phone, uh, I did some looks back and some old clips to... Uh, Look, you know, prepare for the show and saw as as early as uh, or excuse me, as late as as the summer of last year, you were still kicking ass in the ring. I, oh, I, yeah, I, still doing it. I, I think that's awesome. What do you once you get past the point of elder statesman and you're still kicking ass at this point? What, what how does that go? How does those conversations go with the young guys in the back? Like, because I assume you, other than performing, you're also the, the, the mentor figure in the locker room. It, it is real easy. Then let's not work nothing out. Just go to the ring and grab your best fucking hold, son, and we'll see what happens. There you go. And that's the end. That's the end of the conversation. Trial by fire. That's no, it. it's called old school. Old, old school. You you got it. Exactly. It. You know, see, Bill. Here's the thing, and 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 you know, the guys on on my show, they know. You know, Tombstone will tell you. Dan will tell you. You know, here's the thing. I am not a big fan. In fact, I hate it when guys go over in the back of the, you know, in the back dressing room. They go over there and match. They go over their spots. That just drives me nuts. Whatever happened to <laughs> calling it in the ring? Tombstone. Well, let's talk, talk to Bill Dunn. I've been in this business since the early sixties. Don't let that happen back then too. It ju- just wasn't so obvious. If you wasn't in the match or in the in the wrestling business, you wasn't allowed in the dressing room. Exactly. So no, no, nobody could see what was going on or anything like that. So, it, it, but there was prima donnas back in the good old day, and guys didn't want to do this, and guys didn't want to do that. But oh, the, yeah. Billy, the Billy Robinsons, the Tony Charles, the Adrian Streets, there was yeah. a lot of shooters, you know what I mean? Oh, sure. Yeah. So if if you had a prima donna, you just booked him against Billy Robinson, and he wasn't a prima donna no more. I know. <laughs> Billy Robinson would stretch the shit out. Ooh, Mert, he was a tough son of a gun, and a real likable guy. I like work, working with him. We had some good matches. Good, I could do that English style, and so could he. Yeah, yeah. Tombstone Jesus has a question for you. Go ahead, brother. Tombstone, Hello, Jesus. Bill, sir, uh, 
It's an honor to speak with you today. I, oh, I, appreciate you know, it. You had so many great matches, and then you became a booker, and you, you know, like the gentleman who called on the phone earlier, you know, you created some stars, um, like like we talked about. I mean, set people forth on a career. Um, what did you enjoy more, wrestling or or booking and, and creating those stars and helping those characters come about? Well, the, the creative part's always in you, because even in your own match, you, somebody's got to create it. So if you work with me, I did, I did, I did all the talking. You could interject a, a little bit here, here and there, but I really wasn't interested in much what you, you had to say. It was all what I had to say because I knew where the match was going. A lot, a lot of the younger guys didn't, you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. So I don't know how they do it today. I haven't been to a wrestling show. Hell, I don't know what I'm being in the ring with this crop of wrestling. No, I'll wrestle on an old-time show and an older guy, but I'm not getting in there with no young kid that wants to do 10,000 things and nothing <laughs> means nothing. <laughs> I hear so you. Did you enjoy the booking part more than the wrestling or vice versa? Well, yeah, I mean, the good thing about the booking part is you just, if somebody, you, you don't like it, get in your fucking car and leave. You don't have to do it. And you know what I mean? That You have that part. And back in the good old days, the booker's word was, was law. So somebody exactly. got hit with you, you told him to go, he was done. Right. I don't know how it works yeah. today, but. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Bill, if it's any consolation, brother, you're not missing out on much. Trust me. You really No, I've, I've kind of tried to watch it. And I think, well, that's not what I would have done, but. I tell you, there, there is a guy with me till tonight. He's a very interesting guy because he's got a promotion that's actually doing it old school. And I want to introduce him to you. He's a. Promotion is called Devotion Championship Wrestling in Salt Lake City, Utah. And his name is Manny Lemons. Manny, you're up to bat, brother. Hey, how we doing, guys? <laughs> Manny Lemons, how the devil are you? Ah, uh, good yourself. All right. If you need a superstar to come up there, you, you're talking to one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, well, you said that you were in the ring at 75 years old. Is that true? Yeah, but I don't tell everybody I'm 75. No, I'm not saying it because it's me. I mean, when I came here, I was 32 in 1960. Yeah. Or whatever it was. And I looked 18. So I've always been the kind of love to look younger than I really am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I still go to the gym every day. I still work out. Don't bench press 350 pounds like the good old days, but... I can do one fifty. So what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You're in. A, you're. You really are in great shape. You really, really are. Well, I try. Yeah, because awesome. I've seen you recently. Uh, currently, and yeah. I tell you what. At seventy five, I hope the hell I look as good as you. I really, I'm serious. <laughs> Treat you. That's you. I'm sorry, Manny. Go ahead, brother. Oh, no, I'm just listening to you guys here. Um, I guess my question kind of piggybacks off what Tombstone was saying. I guess what was kind of like your the most challenging position you held in your career, but yet, yet most rewarding at the same time? Say that again. 
I guess, what was the most challenging position you held, but yet most rewarding at the same time in your entire career? Well, I guess working in the office for Ted Turner, because you had to put yeah. up with uh, <laughs> three or four other guys. I mean, can't think of this sucker's name. He was a prick. Isn't that awful? Who else worked for Nick, uh, for, for Ted in the office? If you say his name, I'll remember um okay that, that era was uh that was that was pre-bischoff so that would have been yeah that's it no that was him eric bischoff, bischoff. oh so, so another bill you worked with uh with uh bill bush eric bischoff and uh jim hurd yeah oh my god god bless you brother god bless you yeah god bless you little old willie fighting them all <laughs> What, Bill, what happens, and I'm sorry, Manny, but I just, while it's on my mind and fresh, Bill, what happens to a company that's a wrestling company that's not run by wrestling people? How does that work? Well, you saw what happened to Ted Turner company. Yeah. When Dusty Rhodes was booking it. You guys. Big Dusty Rhodes got a lot of heat from people, but... He he still kept it wrestling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then when Eric Bischoff took up, Eric gave you his ideas. And I'm sorry, he's just not a wrestler. No, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Go ahead, Manny. Can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that was really my, my only question I had. Uh I just kind of listening to you guys and what you guys had to say. You guys kind of already answered the questions I would have had. So, well, no, you're not here to listen, brother. You're here to ask questions. <laughs> Go ahead, Daniel. I'm throwing it back to you. Well, then, then let me chime in. If we're gonna keep talking about booking, I'm curious. You've got to have a lot, obviously, ten lifetimes worth of stories. What would you say is? Do you have any moments where a booker or someone? you guys were in the back and they pitched an idea and a match outlined something and you had to put your foot down. Absolutely not, not doing it. Did you have any, any good Good stories or you completely just rejected a terrible idea? I'm curious about that. Well, if it was a real terrible idea, everybody rejected it. I mean, not just the booker knew it was bad. See, and and I hate to use anybody's name, but, some people just interested in that person. I mean, A is wrestling, B, and A wants to do everything. Yeah. He don't want B to do nothing to him. So sometimes you got to put your foot down and just let him do what I think's best for the town. Sure. It's my job. It's on the line, not theirs. That's yeah, exactly. So that, that's how it works. Sure. Well, if, if I can... can expand on that a little bit uh you were talking wcw uh one of the famous flop ideas that came from that era was jim hurd had pitched repackaging rick flair he wanted him to cut his hair and and get away from the nature boy gimmick and and give him a almost like a spartacus kind of gladiator gimmick and rick flair left the company over it so i'm curious did you ever see something of that extent not just a general everyone knows it's terrible but something where you're you're dumbfounded 
I'm really curious to get to get some of the the side dirt. Like any, I'm not maybe not name drops, but any ideas that somebody pitched, and you're just like, what are you doing? No, I mean, if I was in charge, that was as far as it went. It was pitched to me. That, you know, that we ain't fucking doing that. So well, if you want to do it, go somewhere else and do it today. Well, well, stopped with you, and that was it, huh? That was it. <laughs> Buck stopped right there, five foot seven, two hundred ten pounds. But anyway. That's crazy. I'll tell you what, you know, it, it, it's funny because you're not a super big guy. And a lot of people don't know that. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? Here's the thing. We were talking about this the other day. Uh, and and I, I want your thoughts on this. You know, you got these guys now. You got a lot of guys that are you know super jacked up. And, you know, and then you got guys that are skinny as a, you know, as a beanpole that call themselves wrestlers. You were not a you know a, a huge guy, but you no. had a persona and you had a uh, an aura about you that was larger than life. Right. What happened to those characters, man? Well, I don't know about them, but with me, that wasn't the character. That was me in real life. What you saw on TV was was real. Exactly. If I I, I mean, if I went to a bar and a big guy was doing this and being a prick and he wanted to fight we fought yeah well that's kind of what i was saying earlier about you know you it was believable it was you know if you had you know an ongoing feud with a guy you know there was an element that seemed like real heat so let's talk about that were there any of those feuds that stemmed from real life heat no that don't work that would be like saying, give jo- John Wayne real bullets. Exactly, that wouldn't work. Right. You're right. And that's just how it is. And and why why is it that guys today cannot get across that sense of believability? Where did that get lost in the shuffle? I think it's, they don't believe. They think jumping off the roof of a building onto a guy on the floor is great. It's not bad athleticism, but it has nothing to do with wrestling. Exactly. Thank you. Thank you. And that's the name of the gate, and it still says wrestling on the on the marquee. Exactly. So I don't know why. Like I said, I don't go around many wrestling matches. I had been to Vince McMahon show and dunk donkey's ages, so I don't know how they think. Yeah. Well, you're not missing anything. Tombstone, it's on you, baby. Hey, uh, Bill, weren't you a judo guy? Yeah, that's how I started with my uncle. So were you doing, like, uh, judo at a private club? Yeah, my uncle had a judo club. and In Scotland, he had a judo club. So we, Monday, Wednesday, and Fridays, we would go train. So three days a week, we trained judo. And then judo, Al Hayes and a few guys back in the day were doing judo. So I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to be puked. And that was it. Yeah. Was that a kind of smooth transition for you as far as uh, going from judo to wrestling? Do you think that really well, helped you with your style? Technically the same thing. Yeah, when they build you across the ring, just like judo. Right. And some guys would kick, do the judo kick and judo chop and you would sell them the same same way yeah 
So yeah, I had no no trouble going from one to the to the other. Awesome. That's that's remarkable, mm. Manny. You got something? I I really I really did the fact of your believability. Like you said, if you're real and you're gonna make it, you're gonna make the people believe it's real. I think that's kind of the same mindset that we all have here in Utah. Well, right. Devotion. And here here's the, the other thing. I would want my opponent to believe it was real. Mm-hmm. So if I had to punch him in the face a little hard to get him to think it's real, that's what he got. You're right. It's wrestling. It's exactly. We had a bunch of flippy guys come and go here. Just kind of the same thing. You know, you, you flip. You only could flip so high so long. I mean, what right. you got after that, you know? Right. Yeah, now, Bill, uh, Manny, uh, Manny is the, uh, the the owner and promoter of Devotion Championship Wrestling in Salt Lake City. And his guys, they work a little snug style. It's very uh, yeah. old school. I think you'd really like it. It's, it's, it's old school. They really pay tribute, I think. And this is why I like them so much and why I, I put them over. Um, they work this old school style that doesn't make any pretense you know there's no over-the-top gimmicks they're all you know believable characters uh they're they work that's the key for me they work they're not trying to do flip-flop and fly they're guys a strong match style and and that's why i really like manny and and uh, and tombstone jesus by the way just, just to break kayfabe for a second Tombstone Jesus is, is actually Mike, so we you can call All right. Mike if you want. So we'll, All right, Mike, how are you? We'll break but we're not going to tell anybody else, right, Mike? Oh, I hear you. Facebook effed it all up for me a few years. Now, let me ask you this question, son, here. And it wouldn't mean they'd get no heat with the wrong people except around the South. Tombstone Jesus, who come up with, with that name? <laughs> well, I mean, I, Memphis, uh, if you could see me, I kind of got a beard and long hair. And, and years ago, when I was a wrestling fan, I used to frequent a, a, a club, a bar. Back in my drinking days, I'd get out of hand and I'd threaten to tombstone people. And uh, everybody called me Jesus because I looked like Jesus. And one day I was threatening to tombstone somebody. And uh, somebody blurted out Tombstone Jesus. I took the name ever since. So, <laughs> and yeah, I'll tell you what, Bill. I'm a baby face out here, Bill. Oh yeah. Oh good. Oh, he's over like Rover, Bill. Yeah, it's funny because he looks yes. like he looks like a cross between Magnum TA and Shawn Michaels. Yeah. <laughs> if Shawn Michaels was a man. I'll tell yeah. you, I'm a male version of Shawn Michaels. Yeah, he's the male version. I hear you. <laughs> well, Dutch Mantel, when we made Dutch Mantel a baby face, he got over like a son of a gun. Right. You know how he looked. Right. Well, oh, and yeah. Magnum, I mean, I don't know if there's a bigger baby face than Magnum. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. You know, Bill, we had Lanny Poffo here last week. And we talked about uh, when he, Randy, and uh, and their father, Angelo Papa, who I, I know that you knew, 
Um, <laughs> yeah, you know where I'm going. I guess you got the, the story, right? <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask you, uh, you know, um, you know, early Macho Man, early Lanny, uh, working with Angelo. Talk, work, walk me through the uh, the minefield called Pafo. Well, I don't. I have no idea what was wrong. Then they start off an outlaw group and came into Memphis and were going to take over. I, that's well, what I, I heard. Yeah, that's what they tried to do. And me and Randy got into a fight. He sucker punched me, and I was going to sh- shoot him. So that was the end of the fight. I we heard that, and I was like, "No, I, I somebody I heard that there was a gun involved. Somebody pulled a gun. Yeah. What yes, the hell was. was that all about? Because you know, see, here's the thing. You know, there's a lot right. of wrestling. You're going to get it straight from the horse's mouth right here. Well, well, here's the thing, though. You you know how the rumor mill is, Bill. You've been around a long time. You know? Yep. And every time the story gets told, you know, there's this another element that's added to it. Right. I got you here. You're the guy that was involved. I'm going to shut up and let you tell the story. <laughs> All right. When the, the Pafos came into town, Jerry Jarrett was the promoter the promoter, and they would go on the TV and knock Jarrett, knock me, knock Lawler, and we never said nothing about them. So I went to the gym one day, and I came out of the gym, and I saw Lenny Poffo walking down in front of my car. So he kind of said, talking about two or three minutes and the next time I bam and I thought what the and I thought you motherfucker <laughs> when I get to the back of my car I will restore order so I looked at the back of my car and I thought he was laying there so I got out and caught it and put it on his head and he said you're crazy I said I'm crazy you're the one that started this fucking fight, boy, and you think I'm crazy? So, Randy has more brains than Randy. So he said, Bill, calm down, calm down. Nobody's going to accept this, is it? So, that was the end of that story. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about it. Well, not quite. That was just that part. By the time I get home... There's a cop shows up at my door with a warrant for arrest. Oh, no. So they went to the police station and me arrested. Yeah, we we didn't hear that part. (laughs) I was going to say that. But I'm going to swear to warrant that on him. So we go to court. But nobody ended up going. He dropped his thing. I dropped mine. That's crazy. Being with guns and all that kind of stuff. That's so that was a true story. <laughs> well, There's, yeah, I know. Here's the thing. You know, Dan and I, you know, we heard the story, but we heard like, you know, a fifth or sixth removed account of the story. 
So I said, you know, when Bill comes on, I want to let him tell the story. This way, we hear it from the horse's mouth, just like you said. Right. Go ahead, Dan. I was going to say that there's your uh, exclusive, Angelo. You know, everybody else tells the story. It ends at the car. We get the rest of the second half. Exactly. I didn't know there was. See, that's the thing. I didn't know there was, you know, that, you know, the pokey come to you, knocked on your door and serving you a warrant and shit. Right. You know, we didn't yeah, they went that with, part. They we, went and took the warrant out on me. That's crazy. Put assault with a deadly weapon. Yeah, I, 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 I heard, but I thought to myself, man, that must have gotten really the fuck out of hand. <laughs> Holy shit. Well, at least now we, we definitively know who won it, too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Bill, I was hoping to... Ran, uh, Randy just ran away, and I went home. And <laughs> by the time he ran away, he went to the police station, showed a warrant out for me. So by the time I got home, the cop shows up, knocks on the door. Well, it, the story that we heard is that, you know, Randy liked to run his mouth, you know, but he wasn't like all that in, you know, entirely enthused about getting into uh, physical altercations with people. But he liked, no. the, you know, is, is that pretty much the gist of it? Right. He, he would do that unless he would, do, you know, do it three years. His buddies around him or whatever, but no, I never ever saw him have a fight with nobody. Yeah, that's what we heard. That's what we heard. Go ahead, Dan. Bill, I was hoping to uh, expand a bit. I had to pull up the list because I knew I, I wouldn't be able to name them all off the top of my head. Um, in a period, in an era, you, you, you mentioned wrestling for, you know, back in the, the starting in the 60s. In an era when when title reigns were very long and multiple championships were rare, you were a 14-time Southern Tag Team champion with everybody from Jerry Lawler to Dutch Mantel to, to uh, Eaton and everybody. I'm curious, how does right. that how does that go about? At what point did they, you know, how many times does they have to come to you? All right, Bill, we're going to put the tag titles on you again with again. this guy. <laughs> or you and Jerry Lawler are going to win the title for a fourth time. How, how, how does that conversation keep coming up? Well, most of the time, me and Lawler's in the office. So you go, go up there and lay out all your TVs and all your matches and all the things you do. So we knew before anybody else what was going to happen. Yeah. Bill, I got to ask you, what the hell is it like to work in the office with Jerry Lawler? Oh, real easy. He, he's, he's a very talented guy. You know, he seemed like for a while there, he was kind of like, you guys were ahead of your time. Right. It really we seemed won. that way because you guys were doing things in Memphis that had never been done before, including, right. you know, having, you know, Jerry Lawler face a Hollywood celebrity, by the way, who I knew. I, I knew Andy Kaufman. Yeah. And Bill Apter and I actually talked about that when I had Bill on the show two weeks ago. And, uh, you know, and, and a lot of people, and I'm going to tell you guys, you guys were brilliant. And I mean brilliant in kayfabing that whole thing to the point where nobody knew the line between reality and work. 
Right. How did well, you nobody, keep it nobody talked so about long? it. How, how did you keep it secret for so long? I, I just said nobody talked about it. Ah, okay. So silence is golden. Right. So, I mean, I'd show up at the matches by was running the show, and I would have all the finales and what we were doing, Broadway's do whatever this and that. Yeah. And nobody knew it but me. So when I called you into the room, that was the first time they ever had it. Wow. That's amazing. So, you know, it was like, well, Ricky and Robert are going over tonight. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and if anybody didn't like it, they just packed their bag and they left. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Go ahead, Dan. Speaking, speaking of, of leaving and travel, I'm curious. It was a pretty big deal when you and Jerry Lawler appeared in the AWA. And and Vern was not known for, how's the word, playing nicely with the, some of the other promoters. How, does, no. how, how did that go about? Did you guys pitch yourselves or did somebody from the Minnesota contact you all and want you to come up there? How did that go about? Because that was a well, pretty Lawler big deal, was, you two going up to the AWA at the time. Yeah. But Lawler was going up there as a single, and Vern liked him, so he he suggested the tag thing with Vern and young Vern and whoever. What's his name? The, the oh. young Ganya boy. Oh, Greg. Greg. Greg, Greg Ganya. So when they said Greg Ganya in the pot against Lawler and Dundee, that wasn't hard hard to sell. Yeah. Yeah. Bill, why was uh, why was Vern so paranoid? I don't know if it was really paranoid, but but he was a hell of a shooter, you know, and a, a tough son of a gun. So yeah, but I don't quite know how he looked at, at the business. But here's the thing, though. He he wore that strap for years, way, way past his prime. Right. What was it about him holding on to that belt that he did not want to give up that belt? Well, I, I, I have no real. I never liked to be the champion because you have to carry the belt around for one one thing, and the, most of the territory is on your back. So I don't know what why why he wanted to be the champion. I just I never understood that as a fan. I should tell people that uh, Bill Dundee has an amazing book called "If right, You Don't right. Want the Answer, Don't Ask the Question." Right. And I want to talk about your book. Uh, you know, I, I, this was probably because uh, I, I read a little bit of it in preparation for this interview. And the one thing that I have to start off with is saying that you were incredibly honest and open, more so than I've read in any wrestling book where people tend to, for whatever reason, I don't know, everybody's smart enough, but the. Uh, a lot of wrestling books still want to kayfabe you. And you didn't do that. You were, you know, you wrote it from your perspective, straight shoot. Uh, you didn't hold back. And I like that. What was it, uh, you know, that inside you that said, you know, I got to put this into a book? Well, people would just say, I mean, write a book. And I, and I would say, okay, but never really had no thought of writing one. So I got talking to Lance Russell one day, 
And he said, Bill, I believe you could, you could do a hell of a job writing the book. So I sat and talked to him for a couple of hours, and he wrote down what I was saying. He said, see, it's funny. Yeah, it's a great book, by the way. It really is. Uh, once again, the title of it is called If You Don't Want the Answer, Don't Ask the Question. Where, where'd the title come from? That's an interesting story. title for a book. How many times have you did it? Somebody say, well, some, I was a match. And if it was great. It it was great. If it sucked, it sucked. But you don't want to hear that part. They just want the great part. So that was my comment. Exactly. When you come back to after somebody has a match, you get to see the match. How was it? Oh, it sucked. They don't yeah. want to hear that. They want no, you to so tell them how don't great want they the were. answer. Don't ask the question. <laughs> exactly. That's how it came up? You don't want the answer. Don't ask the question. Don't you ask go. the question. Tombstone, you're up, brother. Yeah. So what do you think you did more of, singles or tag matches? I mean, being a tag champion 14 times, um, I'm assuming you probably did more tag teaming. Whatever. How can I put this to you? Memphis wasn't the biggest territory in the world as far as having a lot of guys in here at the same time. So, but call for a tag, we did a tag. Sometimes we do three singles in a tag at the end of the night, so you'd only have three matches in a tag match because there was only the six guys on the court. And, so down. and then it got recognized to be a tag team territory, so that's what we did. So, and I would rather be in a tag match than a single. I think they're more exciting. Yeah, the psychology is definitely, you know, there's a lot more involved with the tag match. That was going to be right. my next question, too. Um, what you thought about the psychology of doing tag work? Well, somebody has to be in charge of it. There's usually one guy calling the shots in the tag match. I mean, a few years ago, I would never answer the question this way but everybody's half smart now anyway so right. somebody has that like like the quarterback in the football field he's calling the plays and he's calling the shots and he's doing same the tag somebody has to be the quarterback yeah mm -hmm. were you generally the quarterback bill either me or lawler or both of us and if it was just me and somebody else it was usually me yeah here's the other thing it was my body, and I wasn't going to want you to abuse it the way you wanted to abuse it. I would let yeah. you abuse it the way I wanted to abuse it. So calling the shots and calling the bumps, you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that, that's a great segue, Bill. That's a really good segue. Um, when you're giving your body to a guy, you know, you expect the same amount of respect in return. Have right. you ever been in a ring with a guy... You know, who just, you know, flipped this, you know, the script on you and went into business for himself, you know, maybe worked a little snug, worked, you know, worked stiff with you, you know, and, uh, and have you ever had to give a receipt? Oh, lots of them. And I was usually the guy that gave out the 
whatever you're calling it, the little stiff. I mean, I want the match to be good. And most of the time, well, we lived here. So if you're in town from Florida and it don't get over, you can just go back to Florida. Yeah. We have to be here. We we got to be here the next week, the next month, the next year. So yeah, I didn't absolutely. want, you know, so I would call the matches and do whatever and book them and the TVs and all them other things. There's a lot of work goes into a TV show on every Saturday morning. Yeah. Absolutely. When you do sure one every does. Saturday, an hour and a half. Bill, do you wrestle differently for television than you do in a live event? Well, it depends on the match. If it's just a squash match and you go out and kick the guy's ass in about two minutes, yeah, you do that. But if you're trying to build for something, you may go 15 minutes, 20 minutes on a TV match. And that's technically giving them what they're going to see at the live show. Yeah, and I you you went exactly where I thought you were going to go, which is good because my next question, and then I'm going to turn it back over to Dan. Uh, usually, those longer matches, those the programs, you know, could could make or break a territory. You know, certain stars with certain heat right. could make or break a territory. What happened? To the territories, and when did they die off with heat? Why did why did heat die from the territory system? Well, it wasn't that part so much. See, when we did the Memphis TV show every Saturday morning, a hundred miles around Memphis, thought that was the only TV show in America that day. There was one in Nashville. There was one in Louisville, Kentucky. Yeah. One in Evansville, Indiana, the same show that we were shown in Memphis, play, and all them towns too. So when all that started catching up with it, it was hard to go to, you know, with a different card all the time. So yeah, it it, it just got hard to, you know, to follow the tape. Yeah, I guess you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Go ahead, Dan. Uh, Bill, I want to go off something I've asked a, a couple of guests and it's always been a point. Uh, Eddie Graham used to say everybody in wrestling has a, a first love and a true love. I'm curious in your career, who was your go-to? Who is the person you would have crossed the country to have a match with? Who was your, your favorite person to work with in your career? Good question. Lawler. Jerry Lawler and Jerry Jarrett was the, other thing, I mean, he was the brains and all the things that told me what to do and how to do it and how to put a match together and how to put a TV together and what you did and what you didn't do. So that would be Jerry Jarrett for the behind-the-scenes thing and Jerry Lawler for the in-ring stuff. Dan, can I pick up for just a yeah, second absolutely. where you left off? Cause I, and then I'll get back to you. You know, um, Bill... Dan just mentioned Eddie Graham in Florida, you know, and everyone credits him with having, you know, the keenest head for psychology and finishes aside from Eddie Graham. Who's a guy that, that you've come across that maybe we wouldn't know who had a really, really good head for finishes and psychology. 
Well, I mean, Jerry Jarrett, we, we mentioned him. He was very good at what he did. His father-in-law, Eddie Marlin, was very good at that part. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a name you don't hear anymore. No, I mean, he went on to the bigger ring in the sky, but when, when he was around here, he learned from Jerry Jarrett. He learned with Nick Goulis. He learned. So he was very good at behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Eddie Graham, I mean, I, I first met Eddie in Australia when he, he came to work for Jim Barnett in, Austra- in Australia. Right. And, and he wasn't a big guy. I mean, he was five, five, eight, maybe tall. Yeah. 220 pounds, maybe. Yeah. But he was a tough son of a gun. Yeah. But sure was tough sons of guns. Don't draw, draw you no money unless you're going to work with them. You know what I mean? So uh, this is a work. This is showbiz. Yeah. Well, what was it about Eddie and his, his head for psychology? Um, why was he considered like this, you know, almost like mythic, like stature when it comes to wrestling psychology? What, what separated him? Why was he different? Well, he would make you do it to be, how can it say this to you? If you shoot a guy off and back drop him 10 feet in the air and he lands on his back, if he don't sell that, the 10 feet in the air didn't mean nothing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Eddie would make you sell shit and put holes on you and hurt you in him just because he could. But he also drew a lot. A lot of money. And his son, Mike, drew a lot of money. Most of it yeah. in Florida, but they had it going. Yeah. Sure did. See, it's hard. I'm going to say this to you. And I hate the word fake because there's nothing fake in wrestling. It's predetermined. Oh, I know. We had that conversation, it's, too. It's predetermined, maybe, but not fake. And people are, oh, well, that's fake. No, it ain't. So, I mean, that gets heat for me if anybody ever say, says it to me. I'll just have to see how much fake they know about it. So, Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, Bill. I just, you know, the last show that we had, and Dan will tell you, yeah. the last show we had, I went off on a tangent about that. Because yes, there's nothing fake about getting your head slammed into a turnbuckle that's got no give. Right. And there's nothing right. fake about being thrown out of the ring over the top rope and landing on your head on a cement floor. Right. There's nothing fake about a broken leg. And there's nothing fake about Bill Dundee punching you in the face either. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That's a great segue. Dan, and we'll go to you, and then we'll go to Tombstone. All right. Uh, Well, I guess it's been been long enough. I know um, a lot of wrestlers don't like telling too many dark stories. I'm going to ask you the other side of the Eddie Graham question. You said Jerry Lawler was your favorite in your career. Did you ever run into anybody that you put your foot down and said, that guy's a bum. Uh, he's unsafe. You just refused to work with. Did you have a, a least favorite somebody on the opposite end of the spectrum? No, not really. Cause I wouldn't bring it. If you had any kind of reputation. See, once you get here, it's my reputation that's on the line, not yours. It doesn't matter if you're the first match or the main event. 
the booker books them all. So once you get here, Nebula Prick, you just ain't coming. So, so you, were, you were a way I like used to look at it. You you were a one strike and you're out kind of guy. They 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 got yeah, on, right. uh, got on superstars bad bad side once and that was it. Well, yeah, but it, and it didn't have to be here if you had one strike and gone. You said, "I'm not bringing you in," because okay. you don't change on the plane the plane ride from Minneapolis to here. <laughs> I, I can respect that. All right, Tombstone, you're up, brother. Yeah, Bill. Um, back in the Tennessee territory days, how many nights a week were you guys running shows, and how much of that would end up on the weekly TV show? Nothing. Nothing on the TV show. We run seven seven nights a week most of the time. Did a live TV show Saturday morning, and did another show Saturday night in Jonesboro, Arkansas, usually. So, so the TV made for Memphis, we made the TV in Memphis an hour and a half every Saturday morning, and then we made a 40-minute show, and we showed that in Louisville, Evansville, Lexington, Kentucky, Tupelo, Mississippi. And all the little town, towns around got that bicycle tape, and Memphis got Memphis. Yeah. Wow. And that well, TV I'll was tell you what, Bill. So powerful back then, I mean... The right. guys were showing up at these towns, and they all knew the storylines and knew who had heat. And, and uh, I mean, you were packing the houses. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Bill, uh, I was, in researching a little bit, you know, I was told that Memphis Wrestling was the most watched program in Memphis, Tennessee, and the surrounding areas when it was on. More than the news, more than any other television program at the time, that everyone watched wrestling. Right. That was it. Certainly was the most watched wrestling, most watched TV show on Saturday morning, mm -hmm. and it was the most watched wrestling show out of, of America. No, there was more people watched Memphis TV than people watched Eddie Graham's show in Florida. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so what was it about that area that was such, you know, a hotbed? We, you know, we talked on the last show about wrestling hotbeds throughout the country. And we meant we mentioned, of course, you know, Memphis and Mid-South, Mid-Atlantic, um, the Texas, of course. There were certain areas that were hotbeds. What was it about that area that was so driven to the product wrestling at the time. All right. Jerry Lawler was Memphis, Tennessee's favorite son, and he was the star on Memphis wrestling. The Von Erichs were the favorite sons of Texas. They were all on a wrestling show. The Grains were in Florida. So the Memphis just had a live show, and we was the only live show, show at the time. We was doing it. To be being done. So nobody else had a live show on Saturday morning, just Memphis. Hour and a half. You know, I forgot about that, that you guys were actually live. You weren't pre taped Right. Yeah. No, it was all what you see is what you got. Yeah. Yeah. I forgot all about that being live. That's a good point. We did a deal where we 
had the bad guys run Lawler over in the car. Did you ever see that? Yeah, I actually have, yeah. And it hits him and knocks him up in the air and he'd lay on the ground. And yeah. We have to call the ambulance saying we're on live TV. That's so you can imagine how the, all the news channels and the other channels picked up on that. Jerry Lawler run over by a car. <laughs> they played it all over the Mid-South. Yeah. And it drew. Well, you know, that's another point. You know, a lot of the stuff that you guys did made the mainstream news. Mm-hmm. Right. How strange is that for a wrestling show to make the 6 o'clock news? All right. Let me tell you a little bit. It was Dave Brown and Lance Russell both did the news, too, or the weather. So that Dave Brown did, did the news. He worked at a TV station, and so did Lance. Yeah. So it's not too hard to get a little segment of wrestling on something on something else. Well, you know, I never thought about that, but you're absolutely right. Lance Brown and... I mean, uh, uh, Dave Brown and, and Lance Russell absolutely came from, you know, le- you know the legitimate news. Channel five, you know. mean it? That's it. Yeah. Well, uh, now it makes sense. You know, it's, Bill, I tell you what, we uh, we're going to have to say good night to you, but before we do, I got to bring you back for a part two. Can you do that for me? Yeah. Any any time, just give me a call. And let me know when when you want me to do it. I sure will. I want to thank you, my friend. I'm going to have to let you go now. But uh, this has been, we're just getting started, really. Oh, but, yeah. you know, we're, we only have an hour and a half show, and, uh, and I got to get some other stuff in. But I definitely want to bring it back. Is that okay? All right. I've only got 50 years to tell you, tell you about, so here, we're good. <laughs> there I you go. I can't to ask you more questions, <laughs> Excellent. Bill. It's been an honor. Well, I All right, guys. I enjoyed it. We uh, are so honored to, to have superstar Bill Dundee with us tonight. We're going to say good night to you, Bill, and uh, I will call you tomorrow and set up a part two with you. Okay, friend? All right, brother. Looking forward to it, and good night to you all and all your people that help you and all the fan- fans out there. Thank you, Bill. Thank you. God bless good you, brother. Take you, care. Sir. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow. Wow, that was beautiful. That, that was, was a awesome. great, great that was you know, a great it, interview. It's funny was, you were you were talking about uh, how big their the, their ratings were. I know we touched on it before. I used to watch all the old the the Memphis tapes. We would get the, the bootlegs, and the yeah. announcer on the tape said, "In all all his years covering Memphis, the only two things ever drew, that ever got bigger ratings than Memphis was uh, the tornado warnings and Elvis's death." Yeah, and you know what? He said something I I completely forgot about. That they were live. Yeah, that's yeah. that's crazy. I, if, you know, about that. Like I said, I, I was watching know. the bootlegs. That's crazy to think that. about. Yeah, I really, you know, Tombstone. Think about that, man. You know, they yeah. were live, and n- nobody yeah, did live shows back then. Time. You know, and when you think about how passionate those fans were, and why people were getting stabbed, and yeah, and like you say, someone would always go over the gate or whatever. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. because they made it that real. You know, now I'll I tell mean. you what I'll tell you something, Tombstone. You know Dan here, being the young upstart, you know I had to smarten him up about some stuff. <laughs> the last show that we did, I told him about now Dan. Now tell me if I'm lying. 
I told him about that little old lady in the front row. Yeah. With and Bill, I'm glad that Bill knew exactly who I was talking I about. Yeah, Man, he, she used to crack you. This lady <laughs> was brutal. That's hey, what, we, that's, he said, he said she, anybody got we, too close got whacked with that cane. Man, she had this big cane <laughs> with like a big hook on it, and she would hit you with it. Oh, yeah. my God. I saw these these guys would like have welts on their back. She was that woman was brutal. God rest her soul wherever she's at. But you know, I hope she's yeah. in heaven now. <laughs> it, it was just man, real to those people. Brutal. You know? Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, what's going on, uh, my my brother? What's going on with the Devotion Championship Wrestling? Well. You know, Manny just messaged me. He had to cut out because where we run our shows, the owner of the building's showing up to meet him. So out oh, I here gotcha. in okay. Utah, um, we were a little bit lax on the virus. I think we got a little over 100 deaths. Uh, we never did a lockdown. And the yeah, state's slowly starting to get back in, into, uh, you know, to doing things so right now we're kind of day-to-day on when we can get something going we need to record yeah. we we need to have a show i mean small businesses yeah. are getting killed here well indie wrestling is small business you yeah. know and, and yeah us so not being able to run a show and stuff it's been oh really it's been hard. brutal i'll tell so you what kind of day-to-day on when we can do one again the, and, the uh, uh, go ahead now no i was just going to say to you that uh, they just announced the first live wrestling show here in Jersey, and it's not scheduled till September. Yeah, mm-hmm. See, you know, but you know, it's a whole different world out there with. What oh, you, guys you have got no idea, on. brother. Oh. That dense population, you know. I mean, Salt yeah. Lake's just a yeah. Well, it's a bigger city, not what you're dealing with out there so yeah so we're hopefully you know it may end up it's kind of day to day but hopefully here within the next two or three weeks we'll be able to at least record a show yeah Um, how long has it been since you guys actually uh set tape down march 7th was our oh my god wow that's how long it's been we they they went went from 100 people to 50 people people in three days as far as gatherings and wow. then from there we've just been waiting it out you know so that's crazy yeah. Dan, what's it looking all, like all in virginia the smaller companies are, are feeling it luckily we had a lot of stuff taped from the year before so the television shows just been going on yeah with older matches i was on last saturday there was a match with me from like about a uh, a year and a half. It's just hit YouTube. You'll have to check it out, Angelo. Yeah. So luckily, we had a lot of that there to fill in for our TV. So. So it's keeping you guys visible. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. good. Yeah. The, yeah. The, goes, the TV keeping them visible. Go ahead, Dan. Goes to what we were touching on with social media. Now here in uh, the wrestling scene here in Virginia, there they canceled a March show uh, j- just at the, at the last minute, which is a shame because they. The guest of honor at that show was supposed to be Sergeant Slaughter. That was going to be a big, big turnout. Yeah, you know. That was his first appearance in this area in like 20 years. Um, It's funny that you say that because the last thing 
you know, talking about Jeff the ref, the last thing that he promoted was that March 14th show. Yep. With, and, at and the it, high school, right? For, it was, was at the, uh, the Mason Temple here. Oh, oh, was it the temple? Yeah, the, the one, the one, the one that the Sergeant Slaughter was going to be at was in was here in uh, in Norfolk. Oh, I thought it was supposed th- to be at the high school. I think it was. You know what? Maybe it was at the Hampton High School. Now that I think about it, it's it's been yeah. a few months. I think that's what Jeff was saying. It was at Hampton High School. Yeah, that, they that have a make- a wrestling team. They were supposed to raise money for. Yeah, it was a big fundraiser. You're right. That okay. was Hampton High. You're right. Yep. Yeah, I remember him saying Sergeant Slaughter, and then all of a sudden, no show. Yeah, I was actually, uh, I was going to dress up as the uh, Iraqi version of Sergeant Slaughter as a kind of an in-joke. <laughs> yeah, that's um, uh, um, uh, Travis, right? Travis lot, Bradshaw. Bro. What's that? Was that Travis Bradshaw, right? He's the promoter there? Yeah. And, um, okay. but yeah, we were, we were, uh, Right now, the the governor just announced this week here in Virginia, masks are mandatory at least until July, all public places except uh, if you have medical read like a medical note, or yeah. you don't have to have your mask on if you're physically eating. But the tables and restaurants have to be spaced out, and then transit. So to and from the bathroom, to and from your car, you throw your mask back on. So yeah, I don't well. see I don't see a, an event like a wrestling show around here for probably at least like you said at least until the fall. Yeah, I I predict that we'll be having one of the first shows with people live in the country. Um, well, we yeah we touched that's on it. my prediction where we're at right here in Utah. Now whether we, it's a public show or not, I don't know. But I know we we touched on it Tombstone Law last show. We were talking about the uh, the WWE had just started using their enhancement or uh, their their training talent as the crowd. Because yeah. you know they're they're recording at the performance center, but yeah. for for some reason they surrounded the the seating area with the plexiglass like you'd see at a hockey game, the big plexiglass walls, and it was so distracting trying and to watch I that on TV. I don't understand that. I don't get that at all. Why? Yeah, I, I didn't it get I didn't get the tries. reasoning behind it, but it was very distracting to watch on television and see the plexiglass between the ring and the crowd. It just didn't yeah, look I right. just don't understand that. I mean, for what reason? You know, I don't know. I guess they had extra money to spend. I mean, I, I don't understand the mentality that you can't, the wrestlers can't breathe on each other in the crowd, but in the ring they can sweat in each other's mouths without problems. Does that make any sense to you? No, not I don't the get it. I don't get it. The same people just, that can know, go have a match can't can't sit next to each other in the crowd. Yeah. And just that wrestling without a crowd, I mean, guys, I'm a wrestler, and it's really, it's almost hard to watch. Well, you know what? Because I was just going to ask you, Tombstone, I was going to ask you exactly that question. You know, you're a guy, you work, you know, you're a worker. You know, what's what's the mentality of going into the ring, you know, and selling to an audience that's not there? Yeah. Well, like, I mean, that, that could end up being something I have to do. And I, I would dread that because, I mean, it's almost like peanut butter and jelly. I mean, wrestling in an audience, I mean, mm-hmm. Jiminy, you yeah. know, I mean, you feed off the fans. And, uh, you know, I'm an MMA fan. And so yeah. finally they started doing some fights. Well, I have no problem with watching the fights with no fans. I, for me, it was a little bit entertaining. You could hear the cornermen, and you could really just hear that impact, you know. 
Yeah. But wrestling without fans for me is it is. It's like cereal without milk or peanut butter, no jelly. I mean it's right. yeah, exactly. missing here. And it's well, hard. I, mean, I almost wonder if they should throw up a laugh track that's like a fan <laughs> track. Well, or something. and it's as funny silly as that sounds. No, but I want to tell you something. I, on a on a serious note, I had Bill After here a couple of weeks ago. You know, Bill After is very respected in the business. And he said the same thing because WWE has the technology. That's a great, great book, by the way. He's coming back. Um, uh, you know, Bill said, you know, WWE has the, the technical capabilities, not only to put in crowd, you know, ambient crowd noises, you know, through, uh, through you know, the, the tapes, you know, and, uh, and pump it into the building. But they also have the ability to simulate a crowd. They have the technical yeah. ability yeah. to make the building look like there's people in there. Well, and, and it's and funny I, with the, you, you see that with the WWE anytime. I mean, they get caught. It seems like weekly almost on their YouTube channels where they 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 edit out boos or they hype up cheers because wrestlers aren't getting the crowd reactions they want. Well, you know, I'm how, gonna, many, how many times have they have they had to mute the crowd because they're booing someone like a Roman Reigns? Well, right. Dan, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna smarten you. I'm gonna smarten you guys up to something you may not know. Okay. Even during their live shows before the Corona hit, right? Mm-hmm. This is to show you where they're at, where their mentality is. You know those chants that you hear people doing in the in the crowd? Let me ha- let me tell you how they started. The WWE was piping in the chants. Yep. And then people would pick up on it. They yep. did the same thing with boos and cheers. A lot of people don't know that. that- but I'm not in the business, so I don't have to keep the secret. So fuck it. Yeah, that was a that was a big reveal in uh, Eric Bischoff's book. He talked about the the Goldberg chant during his entrance. Exactly. He said not 99% of the time that was a hunt that was completely artificial. The crowd yep. never chanted for like that. They never did. They're exactly right. Exactly right. The, the, the and chant was a- basically part of the entrance theme. And that's. That was where I was going with this. You know, they've been doing it for a long time. Mm-hmm. Now that you need it, why not do it? <laughs> right. Okay. Well, I, I, like I mentioned uh, on the last show, AEW was using some sporadic wrestlers. Billy Gunn and his son, by the way, MVPs of that show the last couple months, the way they would cheer. But, you know, e- e- even if you have 30 30- people in the crowd with the occasional cheer or or you know like uh tombstone i know you've been to enough training and and training you know training matches where you run in where you'll have uh you you know you you have the the guys you know oh check the arm check the arm you know yelling stuff like that where it just adds a little bit of ambience to watch something especially like wrestlemania with yeah. No reaction. You know, a huge moment at WrestleMania. Drew McIntyre gets crowned. The next big thing holds up the title over a fallen Brock Lesnar to dead silence. No pa. It, it doesn't. No pa. It, you, you can never play that highlight again as part you of know, his. I'm, I'm to a no. point where with this technology, 
let's get a green screen behind there like right. we got behind Angelo. And let's Skype exactly. 100 people's faces. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right? Let's Skype yeah. 100 people's faces, have them coming in live on Skype, and let them all cheer and boo and flip the crowd off. You know, whatever. I mean, yeah. anything at this point. You know, if you got to have a virtual crowd that's a real crowd, hell, throw up a fake crowd. Have 10, 15 yeah. people in there yelling, you know, him. It, something. You know, something, we could do guys. that right now. We could do that with our show. When we come on every week, I can have a, you know, applause. I can have people behind me. I can do yeah. all that. Yeah. And just well, be, have just a real live audience. Yeah, and all I have is, a, you know, a, a freaking computer. We, 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 can, <laughs> we can add in applause and, and booze and, and there'd just be more sounds for Angelo to cut off and talk over. You know what? <laughs> Less is no, more. I and seriously think they they need to come up with something, but I just God, I hope it doesn't come to that. You know, I mean, people are worried about a second wave and this and that. I don't want to get too much into this on your show, but right. I'm hoping things are going to get back to somewhat normal where we can go to a wrestling event and uh, yell yeah. and scream yeah. and enjoy ourselves again because, you know, these are some. He, Sometimes it's the little things in life that we're all here yeah. living for, you know. For I'll yeah. tell you to, what, to go I, to a amen to that. Show, a wrestling show. Amen to that. Well, speaking of wrestling shows, uh, so when you guys are going to get back, probably uh, sooner than the rest of the country. Um, when that happens, uh, is is Manny looking at a particular date for like an open? Well, at this point, I. You know, I don't know about a date, and then for that matter, I mean, I don't know if you release that date. I mean, I've seen some yeah. to-be-announced type things going on around the country mm-hmm. because, let's face it, you know, there's a lot of paranoid people out there that might try to shut it down. Yeah, well, that's true, too. Yeah, I think it's going to be a very different, It's it's going to look very different, Dan. It yeah. really, really is. It's not going to look the same initially. Well, I, I will tell you, I think it'll get back to where it was. Yeah. But I think we're at least a year out from that, to be yeah. honest with you. I, I, I really agree. do. I think we're at least a year out. I think it's uh, that this this whole Corona COVID thing has really, like you know, like Tombstone said. You know, it's ramped up the paranoia factor to like, you know, 50 right now. Right. Um, on a scale of one to 10. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, even if the uh, wrestling companies want to have the crowds, the arenas yeah. and the owners of the arenas and the cities aren't going to let the crowds come in. Well, yeah, yeah that, it's going to come down to the government, your local government. What what really? Right. You yeah. know, that's why. I, you know, Utah, well, I know Oregon that, State, as far as, as we didn't get hit hard with Corona, you know, South Dakota, there's a few other of these states. And those yeah. would be the ones I'd be looking to see an indie show come out of first. Well, yeah. California, I mean, the, it's going to be a long time. The only oh, reason God, yeah. the yeah. only reason that the WWE and AEW were able to continue filming was because of they, they owned the arenas that they were filming in. Exactly. Right. Yeah, right. but it's, it's it's considered private. It's private exactly. property. 
especially in the case of AEW, where you know filming in Jacksonville Stadium, they they own that building. That that well, be like I'll tell you what me I can't happened. Film in my own house. I'll tell you what happened here in New Jersey just yesterday. In fact, now we're recording this show on Thursday, May twenty uh, May twenty eighth. Yes. Uh, yesterday, May twenty seventh, Wednesday, the governor here has uh, Governor Phil Murphy in New Jersey has allowed for the reopening of uh, sports venues at 25% capacity. Now, to put that in context, if you've got a 10,000-seat building, that's 2,500 people. Oh, so so the Jets aren't going to notice that? No, either will WWE. <laughs> yeah, they won't Sorry. know a thing. Sorry, sorry, Jersey fans. I couldn't resist. That's that's quite all right. They deserve it. Uh, um, but you know, but there are other venues out here that are private that have a little bit more flexibility. Of course, you know, the publicly owned arenas, they're not, they're, their hands are pretty tied. Like you know, yeah. like we were just talking about. But you know, it's going to be a while before you get. You know, a, a, a crowd of uh, fifteen or twenty thousand at a wrestling show. When they finally do, I think people are just going to go just to get the hell to a show somewhere. Right. You know, whether it's good, bad, it doesn't make any difference. They just want to see their wrestling. Yeah. Even the indie shows. Yeah. You know, right now, I I pay twenty bucks just to go see a fucking indie show somewhere. Yeah. You know. You know, and and the promoter that I deal with, you know, he's lucky if he's got 500 or 600 people show up. That's a big crowd for him. Mm-hmm. You know, for an indie show, that's a big crowd. Um, except if you're devotion, then they come out in fucking droves. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, 500 people, you know, at the uh, at the the local um, fitness center, which, by the way, is sizable. You know, they could get 2,000 people in this building, but they won't, mm. you know. 500, though, is a nice crowd. They're lucky. Well, they might have to take everyone's temperature at the door. Well, and that's. Like that. Yeah, we and that. might have to sit 20 people here, and then let's have a, an area, a, a, a separate, and then another and 20 that's exactly or what they're going to yeah. do. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, nailed it. You nailed and, it. Uh, that's Let's exactly. Get, you know, if they got to wear masks, let them bring their lucha masks. Well, I got news for you. The whole mask thing is getting real creative. It's getting really creative. Yeah. And wrestling fans are, I have to give kudos to wrestling fans because they've got some of the most creative face masks in the world. Oh, hell oh, you're, yeah. Yeah, look, his cat's making a cameo I've again. Not a gorgeous cat. I was wondering. To come join the show. Looks oh, like Dan's, Dan's cat got a bigger pop than he did on the last. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like he's got his tail in his ear. Yeah. Well, we're going to wrap it up, fellas. So, Tombstone, what's going on in this Salt Lake? Fill me in. Brother, like I said, we're, you keep posted over here. You keep tuned because something's coming. I can't say when exactly, but I can say it's coming soon. Like, I, I, I'm. 
I'm willing to bet we'll be one of the first companies to have some kind of something go on. Yeah. And uh, just stay tuned as far as that goes. Me, myself, I got to get my ass in shape. This quarantine about killed me. Well, I was going to ask you, you know, what are you doing to stay, you know, stay active and stay, you know, keep that physique of yours? Yeah, I was lifting buckets full of rocks and doing whatever I could. But, I, you know, I got to tell you guys that the quarantine, I couldn't go to my gym. I got a little depressed. I started eating shitty and a little bit of fat around my belly to prove for the next two or three weeks I am working my ass off. I know, brother. You got that. That big gold belt behind you, you better be able to put it on. Exactly. Exactly. I'll tell you, you get up in your little tights and your plum smugglers into front of 800,000 people now and again, and it will it will motivate you to go and work out. Yeah, absolutely. So plug your YouTube, plug your social media, give everybody a heads up. Guys, come hit me up on Facebook, Tombstone Jesus, public figure, hit me a like. YouTube, we got wrestling, we got music, we got comedy. Tombstone Jesus, subscribe. Hit me on the Instagram as well. And then Devotion Championship Wrestling. Manny had to take off and and deal with that uh, building owner. But uh, and Manny Lemons, follow him on Instagram as well, and uh, Devotion Championship Wrestling. And then look for me on this podcast anytime I get an invite, guys. Oh, you, well, brother, you got an open-ended invite here. You know that. <laughs> we like you. We're going to put you over. And I like Devotion, too. That's why I wanted you and Manny here. I'm, I'm sorry he had to bail out on us, but that's okay. Because mm-hmm. he'll be got to keep that business rolling. We'll yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Dan, tell everybody what's happening with us. Well, we're on uh, Facebook and YouTube, Wrestling with the Future podcast. We're uh, also on Twitter, Wrestling Future, no G, Wrestling Future. I'm on Twitter at the man underscore WWTF. We've got the private and public Facebook pages going, Twitter, YouTube. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Buy the T-shirt. Yep. And uh, check check us out. All right. Well, let me give everybody a heads up on some upcoming guests on June 4th. Oh, on June 2nd, the Boogeyman, Jimmy Valiant, will be here. Oh. Next Tuesday, Boogie Woogie will be here. And, uh, and I love Jimmy. I've known Jimmy for 32 years. Oh, and he's man. a great guy, and he was kind enough to include me in his book. So wow. if you have... Jimmy Valiant's book, I'm in it, page 564. That uh, is awesome. Little, little putting me over. <laughs> uh, on June 4th, we've got one of the greatest female wrestlers of all time, Joyce Grable, will join us for a one-on-one, her first ever one-on-one podcast appearance. She'll be with us for the whole show. We've got Scott Teal, the uh, wrestling book author, joining us. John Arezzi will be joining us from Pro Wrestling Spotlight. He can also be heard on the uh, Jim Cornette Network with Brian Last. Um, you can see um, their videos, I believe. On, I believe it's Arcadian Vanguard on YouTube. Yes, the Arcadian I make sure, Vanguard that, Network. Okay. I want to make sure that I can shout out to John. Um, we've got, uh, 
Sam Houston for not one, but two shows coming up uh, next week. I'm looking forward to that one. May have a special run in uh, on that. Uh, Also, Baby Doll will be coming back for an appearance. Our very own Mike Messier will be joining Monty and the Pharaoh uh, on June 4th. So uh, keep an eye out for Mike Messier. Um, See what else is going on here. We have the uh, you plug the private group. So Mm -hmm. we have a, a private group on Facebook and a public page. You can also hit me up at Angelo DeCipio, or you can reach me at my psychic page on Facebook. It's simply Psychic Angelo. Um, on Twitter, also at Psychic Angelo and Wrestling Future. You want to email us questions or comments, show suggestions. It's Wrestling with the Future at gmail.com. And I answer everything that comes in. Uh, and I've actually got questions already coming in for Sam Houston. So uh, our schedule is up, and you can check it out. Anything else am I missing, Dan? Uh, No, I think that about covers it. All right. (coughs) Excuse me. I'm going to have another cigarette. Okay. (laughs) For Tombstone Jesus, for Dan the Man, I am Psychic Medium Angelo. Thank you, everybody. Happy wrestling, and goodbye. Goodbye.